Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Lisa Smart back with us, author of Words at the Threshold, a linguist, educator, poet. She founded the Final Words Project, which is an ongoing study devoted to collecting and interpreting the mysterious language at the end of lives. She co-facilitates workshops about language and consciousness with Raymond Moody at universities, hospices, and conferences, and lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Lisa, welcome back to the program. Great to be back. Thank you, George. By the way, we think the world of Raymond Moody. He is oh, one heck he... of a guy. Oh, I have been so fortunate. I've been working with him now since, um, I guess, uh, the end of 2012, and uh, it's just been such a great joy to get to know him. And I never, I keep learning new things from him. He's just an endless fount of knowledge. It's incredible. <laughs> When you talk about the Final Words Project, uh, two things come to mind. Uh, Stephen Jobs, when he died, the founder of Apple Computer, said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And then Frank Sinatra, when he was dying, said, I'm losing. Is that what you mean by final words? That's part of what I mean. I mean, the two examples you gave there were just at the moment right before um, the the two men passed on. Um, But the research that we did in some cases, go back several weeks before people die because we start seeing changes in language sometimes weeks before people pass on. Sometimes people show, they kind of like show their cards that they may be dying, even though they don't look sick. Why is that? How, how does that happen? You know, I think in some, I mean, there are two answers to that, right? But it's, I, it, this has become very clear to me as I've done this research that we seem, to, we seem to know, even before we may fall ill, people often indicate um, that they have a sense they're passing on. For example, one really tragic case, there was a, a teenager, and um, she was on her way to go see her boyfriend, and on the refrigerator, you know those plastic letters that people use on a refrigerator? With, with like magnets. Magnets, thank yeah. you. And um, she wrote right before she left the house, um, come spend infinite time away. And then, you know, she just left the house. Her mom didn't, you know, no one thought anything of it. And she got in the car and hours later she was killed in a tragic car accident. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, and and... Her story is particularly dramatic, but we hear this all the time, um, you know, hours before people die and sometimes months before. With my father, um, who inspired this whole research project, um, he was six months before he passed on. He was on vacation with my mom. And a friend of his, they were, a friend of his said, uh, Morty, write something. I'm going to take a photo and write something on your hand about yourself. And in big letters with the marker that she handed to him, he wrote, Visitor. And she said, what's that about? He said, oh, I'm just visiting the planet. And he started to laugh. And then, and at that time, he had no indication of being, you know, particularly ill or that anything was going to happen. And uh, as if it were a premonition, um, six months later, he died of, 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 a, of a serious infection. Um, so it does seem that people know. And, and one other quick story about my father that was a, a premonition, if you, mm-hmm. if you want to say that. Um, three days before he died, and you have to understand, my father was a total skeptic, okay? Ph.D., very rational. Yep. Um, and three, day, three days Not a God-believer, I bet. 
oh gosh, not at all. No, <laughs> I mean, he was a, he would roll his eyes if he used that word, right? I mean, no. And three days before he died, he um, said, "The angels, the angels say enough, enough. Three days left." And indeed, three days later, he he passed on. Gosh, I have uh, witnessed things with people where I'll tell them, "Are you okay?" You, you know, you don't look right. You don't, you're not acting right. Um, and I would think to myself, the dying process has begun for this person. Wow. And Lisa, two, two weeks later, they're dead. Do you mind if I ask, what is it? Can you put your finger on what you see or sense? Uh, no, it's just a feeling. It's, wow. it's, it's just wow. a feeling, you know, just body language by the individual that you look at. Uh, but, uh, you know, my receptors kick in. Um, it happened with a dear friend of mine the end of December. I, 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 I was with him, and I, I told him, I said, uh, you're not well. And he said, I'm fine. What are you talking about? And I said, no, there's, there's something wrong with you. I mean, look, look how your left hand is shaking. And then he'd hold it. He'd hold it down so it wouldn't shake. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I said, uh, you know, I just feel you need to take care of yourself. The dying process has begun for you. And I didn't say it to be mean or anything like that. I mean, I, I truly meant it. And two weeks later, he was dead. Oh, that's well, first of all, I'm sorry about losing your friend. And it's incredible that you have that kind of uh, sensitivity. And yet I think there are signs that we give off. And and definitely, we each seem to know. It's it's so common. Uh, how many times have you heard that someone just suddenly starts wrapping up their financial affairs, uh, and or calls people that they hadn't spoken to for years? You yep. know, you hear these stories over and over again. Um, it's rare, though. I haven't heard many people have that kind of attunement that you do that's that's a in a way that's a remarkable gift it's also a little haunting it is haunting i'm not sure i want the gift yeah but, i know but it's I there imagine. yeah now what exactly is the final words project the final words project i um established it in 2014 with the guidance of raymond moody mm -hmm. and um and what we have done is just collected final words and then analyze them for patterns. And uh, so I've collected data online, uh, or I've had loved ones transcribe what they've heard their dying family members and friends say in the last days or, or weeks. And uh, we've collected now 2,000 utterances. Um, and utterance is something is like a phrase. Um, and we've begun to analyze the patterns to see what emerges, what do we find about people's final words. And sometimes it may seem like nonsense, some of the things we hear on the surface, but what we've come to find out that they may really not be nonsense at all in many cases. Now, the two examples I used, would they be included in your research? Absolutely, yes. They would. Yeah. They would. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, most of the research that we're looking at are from ordinary people. You know, when you think about final words, they have those books, you know, famous last words, you know, and, and the, the ones everybody hears, such as jobs now, is, you know, has become so common. But we looked at just everyday folks, and what are people saying um, in those last days and hours? And I was very surprised. And I, at first, I was surprised by my father. I mean, that's how I began this whole project. I was trained as a linguist. And I started hearing things from my father that surprised me. 
And I started writing everything down, and that's, that's how this began. Did you think he might be hallucinating? Absolutely I did, and I was baffled by it, because what I saw with him, which now I've learned is not that uncommon, is that there would be these moments of what would seem like hallucination. You know, he, he was on a, not a lot of medication, but morphine, as, as is common. And um, so he would, he would say things, like talk about angels, which seem like hallucinations, but then 15 or 20 minutes, even 10 minutes later, turn to me and say, oh, honey, could you get me a glass of water? And it, it was almost as if he was moving between worlds. And when you start writing things, things down, and I, and I invited other people to do the same, when you start writing people's words, you see that it's not as uh, chaotic and hallucinatory as it may seem. They're actually, in, the difference between someone who has a pure hallucination is that they don't seem to have that ability to move in and out of this world and what I think of now as the other world. You know, when when you started collecting the data, how did you go about doing that? Did you send out letters to people saying, can you tell us what your loved one said when they died? Or how did you do that? Um, it was a slow process. Because, you know, anytime, I'm, anytime you do any kind of research that's new and especially involved with death and dying, people are a little concerned and careful and especially... Um, end of life is a very sacred and private time. So I, um, you know, the internet is amazing. A lot of it began just with um, Facebook, my website, and then gratefully, because Raymond was working with me, I was able to um, get some connections and meet people. And, you know, in the beginning, because I'm a linguist, I had this vision at first as, you know, I'm going to put tape recorders, digital recorders at the huh. big <laughs> But really, it turned out that that was not the way to go for so many reasons. Um, you know, for example, let's say that you were on your deathbed and you had a confession you wanted to make to someone in the family. If I had a digital recorder at your bedside and you knew it, would you make that confession? You know, would you do, would you say what you really maybe in your heart want to say? And I realized that having a recorder for, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues with consent, but also the whole thing about I wanted to guard people, the sacred quality of it. So I landed up just inviting friends and family to transcribe, write down what they wanted to write down and share what they wanted to write down. And then I did a lot of interviews with experts in the field and asked them, what did they see? And so based on experts um, and, and their observations and their stories, and then, of course, the transcripts of loved ones that were submitted to the Final Words Project online, we have a form that people can fill out, and also talking to people. Um, as word got out, I got more and more uh, data. So, and it's, it just keeps building, which is just fantastic. The more data we have, the more conclusions we can make. How bizarre were some of these last words? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, um, lot, oh my gosh, when you say bizarre, I'm not too sure how to respond to that because there's such a range. Uh, one of them that I think of in terms of bizarre is um, there's this one man and his father 
I was a really strict uh, army guy um, and just the kind of guy who had no sentimentality in him, just tough, all no nonsense, like no nonsense. And he used to say to his son whenever his son would complain, you know, buck up, you know, you're the master. What is that line by, you know, you're the, you're the master of your ship. What, do you know that line by Invictus? You know, be tough. Um, you're the captain of your fate, the master of your ship. And so um, the, right before he died, he turned to his son and he goes uh no no uh i'm the master of of my fate i'm the captain of my <gasps> bullshit and then passed on <laughs> i'm glad you stopped there too <laughs> <laughs> but that was when you say bizarre that one that was sort of bizarre in many cases they're actually i wouldn't call them they're more remarkable. So let me give you one example. There's um, someone who just sent this to me. Her brother was a cell phone representative. And just before he died, he said, airtime reducing, minutes running out. Or, uh, um, well, of course, let me think of some, the white butterflies are coming out of your mouth. They're beautiful. Or the machinery is worn out. Um, Does anybody say anything horribly frightening, like they're here for me, the devil is here, anything like that? You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned this thing about the devil. I haven't heard anything. I have heard people, a a small percentage of the samples that have come in have been, I'm scared, um, uh, you know, help me, hold me. In most cases, though, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat death and dying because it's, you know, a terrible thing to have a loss. And for, for people, it can be difficult. But so often what you hear, you know, for example, um, it's beautiful over there or I'm going home or there's the light or don't worry about me. Or one I got recently, someone go, said, I am, I am, I am the great I am, and then just passed on at that moment. So we only... That was a biblical phrase, wasn't it? You know, it sounds like it is. I don't, but this person, what was so interesting, had no Christian background. And that was one of the reasons, you know, you think... If you hear this kind of language or these kinds of associations from people who haven't been to church every Sunday, you think, what is going on here, right? It's, very, it's intriguing. Or my father talking about angels who used to roll his eyes any time I spoke about anything, you know, woo-woo in, it, woo-woo or in any way. So, but, you know, the question about devils, I was speaking to Raymond about this because um, we're working on a book together right now called God is Bigger Than the Bible. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's a wonderful, um, it's just such a joy to work with Raymond about this, because obviously he's had decades of hearing people who have died and uh, then are resuscitated, and they have experiences of God. And one of the things that we were just speaking about last week is commonly um, we hear in the churches that you're going to be punished for things, right, that God is this terribly judgmental uh, critter <laughs> being right and 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 that there's devils and demons you know very kind of dark things and actually what we hear from people at near-death experiences is that it's not about being punished what happens are the, these things called life reviews right so that people look back at what they've done to others and they feel it as if they done it themselves. So if I did something to you, George, and I was mean-spirited or did something cruel to you, in my life review, um, I would feel your pain. Yeah, It comes back and gets you, doesn't it? It comes 
back and get you, but it's not that God is sitting there pointing his or her finger. It's more that you feel it in your own body as if it's happened. And um, so really, and the same thing, uh, as people are dying, we don't hear references, or I haven't yet. Only a few times I've heard references to men in black walking around the bed. There have been uh, people do have visitations often before they pass on they'll see things and there there were a few that talked about men in, men in black um but the whole idea of the devil and the demons even when you look at near-death experiences a very small percentage are are hellish now they do exist and again i'm not trying to sugarcoat things but we're looking at maybe three percent you know a much smaller percentage that's interesting that it's that low yeah well you you'll hear okay let me let me let me even it can, can go as high as twelve percent, but it's it's. That's more like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but what I want to say about that is that you don't. Well, here's one thing about that Raymond's invention, which I think is true: is if you had a near-death experience that was hellish, would you really want to report to your doctor? I went to hell, right? Well, so I don't know if you're in that state of mind to reason and rash have any rational reasoning. That is true. You probably just true. spit it out. Well, Ray, you know what Raymond has said, and I've noticed this with our research with the Final Words Project. You know, we don't. Many of us, if someone were to report that, you know, I went to hell. There's so much embarrassment about that. And same thing with the Final Words Project. I will admit openly that I'm sure that our findings are skewed in some ways because if you're going to turn in data or report something, it's harder to report the hard stuff. And sometimes you're embarrassed or ashamed. So in terms of the hellish one, I think you're probably spot on, that it's on the higher end of things, because people, it, there probably is underreporting of it. 20, so, yeah. 27 years ago, comedian Sam Keniston got into a head-on collision. Mm. And uh, he was dying. He was dying. And he was uh, telling whoever was out there, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And you put this in your book, uh, Words at the Threshold. And then all of a sudden he paused and then he went, uh, but why? Like he was talking to someone and then he went, okay, okay. And then he died. Mm -hmm. Somebody was telling him something. That's right. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.